listening to On The Road with Mike and Andy, Australia's number one weekly trucking podcast made for Aussie truckies by Aussie truckies. Here to bring an independent voice to truckies right around Australia. On The Road is proudly brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer. Visit the website at nti.com.au and Queensland Rail, committed to educating drivers to know their vehicle height and to plan their trip ahead to avoid low-lying bridges. Go to www.qr.com.au G'day and welcome back. It's episode 109 of On The Road and it's great to have the pleasure of your company once again. This week, Mike and Lex from Janus Electric have a great chat about the red tape issue that could have almost spelled the end for this great pioneering Aussie trucking icon. We chat with Aussie country music siblings Sarah and Greg Storer about their new single and more, and there's even more music later in the show from Aussie music favourites and stars of last weekend's Lights on the Hill event, The Wolf Brothers. Mike has a rave on the subject of identity theft in our Something to Talk About segment courtesy of Only Trucks and Credit One, and all the latest from the On The Road newsroom thanks to Big Rigs magazine. So settle back, crank it up, and let's get this show on the road! Yes, get over that! G'day, I'm Yogi from Outback Chuckers, and when I'm on the road, we're always on the road doing stuff out on the road, but when we're on the road, we're listening to the big rigs on the road. <laughs> this is Simon Smith here from the Australian Big Rig Radio Roadshow.com. Truck and radio is what we do across Australia 24 7. Loads of truck and classics every hour. If you'd like to drop us a line, love to hear from you at some stage. Our email address is BigRigRadio at yahoo.com.au. Catch it down the road and take it steady out there. The Australian Big Rig Radio Roadshow.com. Last week it looked like the Janus Electric program had hit a brick wall, and the brick wall was the Australian design rules. Unfortunately, a zero emission engine has no euro rating and we have an issue with the Australian design rules where unless you've got a euro rating of a four or better, you can't get that 0.5 of a tonne concession on your steer axle weight with the FUPS bar, etc. So Janice had run into a problem. Their Western Star weighs 6.2 tonne on the steer and because it's batteries, it's not fuel, it's a little bit difficult to get rid of that problem and it's something that's going to be really problematic to engineer out of the truck. So they looked like their business in Australia was just about toast. There was emails flying backwards and forwards and consultations with the regulators about trying to get the steer weight axle situation clarified and they were talking 18 months delays and all that sort of thing. Well, I've managed to get Lex on the phone and we're going to have a bit of a chat about what progress had been made and how it was looking. This has turned into a good news story because just before I spoke to Lex, they'd been given the approval that they were looking for and their trucks were going to be allowed to be registered. That means that their trials are going to go ahead in Brisbane and in Sydney and we're going to see the Janus Electric trucks on the road. And to be honest, I'm stoked for Lex and for his partners and Janus Electric because it is a great thing. It's a great thing for Australia. We're going to go down this zero emissions path. We're going to go down this electric truck path what better to do it in Australia with something that's designed and built here? It's only just up the road at Berkeley Vale. It's just a stone's throw from where I live. 
this conversation that I had with Lex, unfortunately, the sound is a little bit up and down in some places. I'm sure we'll do our best to clean it up, but it was the only opportunity I was going to have to talk with Lex, so I decided to take it. Here's the conversation I recorded with Lex earlier. Lex Forsyth, Janus Electric. This is a great news story now. I was going to do a doom and gloom with you, but it's a great story. Yeah, look, it really took a turn on Friday afternoon at about half past four. We finally got an approval through for our Western Star with a 6.2 tonne steer axle mass and an issuing of the modification plate. So it's fantastic news. It is. It's awesome news. I was sort of obviously going to ask you when you became aware there was an issue and if there was any way you could sort of engineer the problem out of it for the time being. Obviously, none of that's relevant anymore, really. It's not really relevant, but I think the thing that we need to look at is we want to go down to zero emissions future. We want to look at alternative energy sources for heavy transport. Yep. I think the big thing we've got to look at is make sure the legislation lines up with the new technology that's available. But also, I went to the Hanover Truck Show and looked at all the latest zero emission technology, both hydrogen fuel cell vehicles and battery electric vehicles, mm. and they've all got a steer axle issue. In Europe, you're allowed to load to 11 tonne on the steer axle. 11 tonne? 11 tonne, yep, and on the drive. And so you've probably seen some of the European trucks, Mike, the 4B2s that run around with single trailers on. They have, yep. So they get 22 tonne GVM, 11 tonne on the steer, 11 tonne on the single axle drive. Wow. And they're just running super single steer tyres. Both the Volvo and the Mercedes are in excess of 6.5 tonne on the steer axle. Well, I know that things like those Scania long lines, we all love the look of at the truck show when we saw them. Mm. We can't have those here because they are too heavy. That's right. And even Euro 6 that's coming with the OEMs, they've got an issue with steer axle mass and need an increase. I think the real reality of it is is you've got heavy haulage operators operating to 7 tonne on the steer and 18 tonne on the drive and running pretty much everywhere under a permit scheme. Yep. You've got road train vehicles that can load up to sort of 7.1 tonne on the steer axle, depending on steer tyres and set routes. And then mm. we look at the battery electric vehicles. There is about a one and a half to two tonne penalty over a diesel truck at the moment with the current technology. If they want to see this increase in zero emissions vehicles, we've got to start to look at that and go, right, we can't disadvantage that operator from a diesel truck by adapting to this new technology. Yep. There needs to be some sort of mechanism where we say, if you want to go down zero emissions path, we'll give you a seven tonne on the steer, 18 tonne on the drive, which basically gives the operator back about one and a half tonne, but allow it to have a floating half tonne on the steer so that you can load up to seven tonne or the axle manufacturer's rating on that steer axle. Yep. Most steer axles in trucks are about 7.2 tonne. That's right, yep. So... If we can load up to that rating and then whatever you don't use there, you can have as a floating tonnage that goes back onto the drive, that would make sense to keep the vehicles in similar productivity bandwidth as a diesel truck and not be penalised because of their tear weight. Well, I think the whole issue is that we do want to see these things. When I heard about your problem last week, I couldn't believe. I mean, it's the easiest win in the world, this, isn't it? We want to have these zero emission trucks. We want to have a manufacturing business like yours in Australia. We want to be able to produce these things. You're recycling the older prime movers. You can repower them and get that second lease of life out of them and be having the latest technology to do it with. But to me, it's an absolute no-brainer. I couldn't believe the drama that you were having and to have it basically sit on a knife edge over something so simple, just a stroke of the pen, basically, to be able to sort it out. That's exactly right, Mike. I don't think they realise that it was at a point where we're going, 
it looks like we don't have a business in Australia anymore. Yeah. Because they just don't understand it. And it's not that we've increased the steer axle mass any different to what's allowed under the current guidelines. All it was down to was because the electric motor doesn't have a Euro 4 or Euro 5 or Euro 6 rating on it, yeah. the legislation just wouldn't allow us to load up to six and a half tonne on the steer. The current ADR is any diesel truck, as long as it's more than a Euro 4 engine in it and it's got a FUPS bumper bar, yeah. can load to six and a half tonne under concessional mass and higher mass limits. Yeah. So it had us dumbfounded. Finally, common sense has taken place and we're really happy that it's happened. Yep. We just don't understand why we had to go to the links to get this to happen, to be quite honest with you. Yep. We've been trying to work with them all the way along through and uh, anyway, common sense has happened and we're there. It's not as if it's been any secret what you're doing. No. No. <laughs> you know? And to be penalised in that way, when your Western Star is the same footprint as a diesel-powered Western Star of the same model, correct. and at 6.2 tonne, you're probably a little bit lighter than them anyway on the steer. So, well, depending on if they've got square tanks or if they've got round tanks, you're exactly right, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> a 909 Kenworth with square tanks on them, yeah. we'd always be over 6.5 tonne if you filled them full of fuel. Yeah, yeah. So it's just understanding the industry and... I look at it and go, we've got a real opportunity here in Australia for us to actually lead the way with zero emissions and become energy self-sufficient and have energy security. Yep. Now, we've got a lot of investment happening in renewable energy. What we don't have a lot of investment in this country into is batteries at the moment. And our solution provides a battery energy storage system for this renewable energy, but also reduces the requirement on diesel in this country. You know, 23% of all the diesel imported into this country is used in trucks. That's nearly a quarter of the diesel that Australia uses is used in trucks. Yeah. It's huge. I sat back in awe. When I first heard about the Janus project and I first heard about electric trucks, I sneered and I thought, yeah, 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 this thing will never happen. I won't see anything like this in my lifetime. And I always pointed to the objection, or when it runs flat, you've got to plug the bloody thing in and it's got to sit there for six hours or whatever it's going to take to recharge. You totally threw that on its head with this rechargeable battery system. You've made it as simple as changing the battery in an 18-volt drill or something. And to risk throwing it away, to me, it just seems crazy. You've got your first change and charge station set up up in the Port of Brisbane now, haven't you? Yeah, it's opened and commissioned at Hemet near the Port of Brisbane. Yep. Got the one at Berkeley Vale at the factories open and operational. Yep. We're just working on Preston's in Sydney at the moment. Right. Mount Gambier and Port Augusta. The electrical upgrades have been done at both of those sites. The pads are ready at both of the sites. The charge stations are just being finishing build at the moment. We'll be shipped down there and put into place. Right. Yeah, so it's definitely taking shape and moving forward. We've got the Western Stars coming to Brisbane. It's going to do a couple of weeks with Cement Australia up here running between the rail and Pinkenbar. And then it's going under a tipper for Holstrom doing sand and gravel around Brisbane. Yep. And then the Freightliner is going into some work with Lactalis down in Sydney running from Lidcom up to Wyong with fridge vans and milk. Well, that'll be a good little test for it. That's a tough little run, that. Yeah, up through the hills there, up through the Mooney Moonies and, you know, up a Rimber and up into Wyong. Yeah. It's a good little spot. It's close to where we are as well too. So we're pretty excited about that. And then we've got customs trucks coming through that will start to roll out in October and November as well. The future looks like it's looking pretty rosy now. If I dig up an old LTL and bring it up to <laughs> Bring it up to you. Because they look pretty cool with square tanks on them, you know. <laughs> The hardest part with those old LTLs, and I love them because Dad used to have them. Yep. I think they were some of the best trucks that Dad ever owned, apart from the W models, and the drivers used to love driving them, and yep. they were just a cool, old-school, old truck. Oh, super cool. Yeah. 
My hardest problem with the trucks that are any sort of older than 10 years of age is the electrical infrastructure. So trying to be able to use the CAN bus systems and those sorts of things in the truck to be able to convert them to electric. Yep. And that's where we've sort of not taking anything sort of older than about 2012 because of that, because of the systems. You need that underlying base infrastructure in the truck to be able to do the conversion and pick up signals and those sorts of things and wiring and that sort of stuff. Wire and lamps at cheap. Yeah. <laughs> There's no reason why it couldn't be done, Mike, but yeah. it'd be definitely a project. I was fantasising about it the other night, and I was sort of thinking to myself, how cool would it be if you could get some old school cool, you know, you get an old superliner or something. Mm, yeah. Oh, I probably wouldn't do it to a superliner. Someone would probably have me for that. But, <laughs> but... <laughs> you need the soundtrack of that V8, mate. Plane. You, would, yeah, mate, you, you, would. you just can't walk away from that Mac V8 sound. No, no, you'd have to have that E9 at full noise thing happening. Mm, mm. But I was just sort of thinking, you know, you could have some old school cool. You could create a, a, a renaissance, mate. In uh, California, there's a business over there that guy buys Teslas, wrecked Teslas. Yep. And he repowers old cars. He, he was on TV there the other week with a VW Beetle he'd done. Yeah, I've seen a Shelby Cobra done. Yep. I was just in the US. I was in Detroit for a battery show and they had a few of these old classics there. There was an old Shelby Mustang as well, too, that had been done. Yep. Just magic, bit of gear. Mate, I'm tearing at the bit to have a go at one. I'm, just, I'm going to have to drive up and you'll have to find me something I can have a drive of. You're not going to give them all away and put them out on test runs, are you? You'll still have one sitting there. If you come to Berkeley Bar on the Central Coast, you should come on and have a drive of one, Mike. Well, I do do some deliveries at a couple of places up there from time to time, mate. I might have to tear it up with you. Yeah, well, let us know when you're in the area and uh, more than welcome to come and take one of the trucks for a run. I'd love to. Let's just take a quick break and hear from one of our sponsors and I'll be right back with Lex after the break. You got me there, Andy? Yeah, mate, got you go. Mate, we're coming up to that level crossing we were talking about before. Looks like we're going to be stopping. Roger that. Look at the size of that thing. They tell me they take about two k's to stop. That's like 20 times the length of the MCG. Would want to be playing chicken with that. Yeah, copy that. They can't exactly swerve either, can they? They're stuck to the tracks, mate. <laughs> it's not that hard to wait till it's safe to cross and make sure the road's clear on the other side. Yeah, not like that bloke last week who forgot about the length of his trailer. Yeah, I heard about that one. It's not really funny, though, when you think about it. Poor old train driver. Probably been having nightmares ever since. Yeah, I reckon. We're all in the same boat, really, mate. Everyone just wants to get home safe at the end of the day. Yeah, not wrong on that one. There goes the last carriage. Looks like we're safe to head off now. Thanks, Mike. Long way to go. After you, old mate. This is a message from Queensland Rail reminding us that it's important to stay alert and obey any signs and signals when approaching level crossings to help keep you and everyone else safe. For more information, go to www.qr.com.au. We're back with Lex Forsyth from Janus Electric. I saw old mate Tones from Tones Trucking Stories had a bit of a crack with one there the other day and had a grin on his face a mile wide. So Yeah, look, and he's only had a drive with the babies. They're the 350 kilowatt motors. The first of the 540s are coming out in October, which is the 720 horsepower. They'll be a different truck again. Yeah, that's a lot of horsepower, isn't it? It is. It is. What sort of torque are you developing with one of those? About 2,600 newton metres, so a bit more than a diesel. But the thing is, it's from dead stool, so that's the difference in the electric motors. You've got it from zero through to about 1,500 or 1,700 RPM, I think it is. Obviously, that's an automatic gearbox. Yeah, so what we've been doing is 
we've been using the old Eaton Ultra Shifts and we take the Eaton brain box off of it and we put our own shift controller on it and we've written all the shift schedules to be able to match it and pair it to the Dana TAM4. But we've got some new transmissions that we're working with there and, and we're also doing it with the Volvo transmission and the Mac transmission yep. and pairing the Dana motor to those. So we will be releasing a new Genesis transmission, which will be a fully integrated automatic pair. Hmm. So you only need roughly six gears because of the torque range that's in the motor. You don't need a 12 or an 18 speed gearbox to be able to get the great ability and startability with the truck. But when you take off, you said you've got that torque right from the start. So it's just a matter of putting your foot down smoothly and it just... Way it goes. Way it goes. Yep. That's incredible. So what sort of a range are you expecting to get out of one of those at your 43 44 tonne? You're going to be somewhere between that high fours, early 500 kilometres, depending on where you're operating. I mean, if there's a lot of undulation and you've got regenerative braking and those sorts of things, you're going to be in that 500 to 550 kilometres. Yep. But it all depends. The biggest things that affect the range is obviously the rolling resistance, how many axles you've got on the ground. Yep. And then obviously you're pushing a brick through air. So there's the wind resistance and those sorts of things. So depending on what the vehicle is, what the load is, what the trailer is, it has a different effect on range. But Anywhere between sort of that 450 to 550 kilometres is pretty comfortable in most applications. So not quite as far as your your basic diesel, but then again, you don't have the same sort of operating cost, do you? And you don't have the same trouble with the OEM stuff that fails on you, like radiators and turbos and tubes and all that sort of stuff. Fuel pumps, air compressors, all of that stuff disappears. And and you haven't got that heat radiating through your driveline and down through your componentry from the diesel engine. It's quite unique. I wonder how you go with something a little bit more aerodynamic, something like one of those new Mac Anthems or something like that has got a little bit better shape to it. Yeah, look, there's definitely some gains to be made there with a more aerodynamic prime mover. Mm. We've been doing some testing with Smith Australia's T410, yep. which is very aerodynamic and it's not got a sleeper cab and it's sort of up around that high 500s in its range. So okay. it does come back to what you've got on the vehicle and, and how you do it. We looked at the idea, you know, Mercedes are saying they've taken the mirrors off the sides of trucks and they use a camera there, and that's helping with saving 2 to 3% in diesel. Yeah. It's the same flow and effect. You're saving energy. What they're basically saying is there's a 2 to 3% energy saving by not dragging mirrors through the air. So that equates the same in extension of range for diesel trucks as well too. When you take exhaust pipes and air intakes and all those sorts of things off the vehicles, you'd see that change in the vehicle's range. So you could add the LTL for the old school cool look, but it wouldn't be very economical. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> no. So Andy and I were talking the other day, mate, about the potential to recharge batteries, right? Yes. Andy said something about sticking a whole heap of solar panels on the roof of a trailer because there's a fair amount of real estate on there. Yep. Would that make any difference? Could you do anything with that? Yeah, look, they're doing it in Europe now. So they've got these flexible solar panels that they're putting on the rooftops of fridge vans over there. Right. It only generates about four kilowatt hours of solar. So basically what they're doing is they're putting an E-axle generator on the middle axle of the fridge van and then putting solar panels on the roof. Right. And that's going into a 90 kilowatt hour battery that's on the trailer. Right. And they're using that to power the fridge motor so you don't have a diesel fridge motor anymore. It's fully electric. Okay. So it's enough to do that. But what we're doing with our batteries is we're going to provide a 415 volt outlet at the back of the truck. Right. That will go straight into the fridge motor on the things. Right. So it's not really enough capacity with solar panels at the moment to provide a huge amount of energy. You might get a 10% extension in range, roughly, with that amount of energy coming from a 4 kilowatt system on top of the fridge van. So you've got to look at a cost-benefit analysis, and maybe 10% is not the greatest part of it. Yep. But looking at warehouses and those sorts of things, putting solar on the roof of them and then putting a charge and change station next to your warehouse depot and fully utilising roof space, there's a big chance with that. 
there's just so many ways you can go with it and you're the tip of the spear. Yeah, there is. It's about taking the energy when it's in production. So that's what you've got to look at. Our government has spent a lot of money on putting EV charging networks out there, but you've got to look at energy differently, Mike. When you go to a truck stop or a service station, there's not a magic pipe that runs all the way back to the refinery that you get the fuel from the refinery. There's a storage tank. Exactly. So yep. they've got to stop building EV charging stations without a battery or a storage system attached to them. And that's the great thing about our charge stations is that we can hang a car charger or a high voltage truck charger off of it and use the energy that's stored in the batteries as well as swapping batteries on trucks that want to go down the renewable path. So we've got to change the way we look at infrastructure and we're building renewable. Like Queensland's announced that we're going to have 80% renewables in the grid. That's fantastic, but we've got to have storage of that energy because the grid is not a storage system. It's a pipeline. It's a distribution system. It's like building renewables without storage is like having a dam with no wall. Yep. It's a great idea, but it won't work. I suppose leading on from that, you've come to the next thing, and that is your truck, your system is the only one like it. Of all the other systems that are going around at the moment, electrical I'm talking about, yours is the only one that's utilising this plug-and-play sort of scenario, isn't it? Yeah, we haven't seen another exchangeable battery solution. I think there's a Chinese one that's potentially in New Zealand at the moment. We've heard some news about that. Yep. I think they're running some trials over there. That's a big rectangular battery that they shove on behind the back of a cab. I think it's only got about 250 kilometres range. Yep. But it's an interesting process, and we look at it in a way we're the only one that's doing an exchangeable side battery that goes under the truck where the fuel tanks are. Yep. And what we have created is an energy source that is consistent and can be used across any OEM's product. So we can do a Scania, we can do a Mac, we can do a Volvo, we can do a Western Star, a Kenworth, any type of truck. And if you look at it, it's no different to fuel tanks. There's two types of fuel tanks. There's round ones and there's square ones. Yeah. And they're pretty much the same dimensions because you've got to have that. So if you can have a fuel tank that's the same size, why not have a battery that's the same size so that we actually start to have a common system that's across all the trucks? You know, that's the reason why diesel took off. Yep. Diesel's made to a particular energy standard that allowed all OEMs to utilise it as an energy source. Yeah. No different for batteries. We've got to do the same. Yeah, well, that's it. I mean, we use standard size containers all the way around the world. Everyone uses the same containers. Correct, correct. Chep pallets and Loscom pallets and even plane pallets are all pretty much the same dimensions. That's right, that's right. Makes sense to have something that's the same all the way around the world. Probably the only other question I'd really, really have for you, and you may not want to answer this one, so if you don't want to commercially confidence and all that, just saying for the hell of it, I do bring you a later model truck. Say, for example, I go and steal a Mac Anthem in a glider form. How much would it cost me then to have the thing on the road ready to run? You'd be looking, depending on the spec, somewhere between 150 to 175,000, depending on the transmission that's in the truck. Yep. If it's a transmission that we can integrate to, you're going to be around that $150,000 mark. Yep. And then obviously you get the sale of the motor and all your auxiliary stuff that comes off the truck. So most of the auxiliary equipment that's coming off the truck, you're getting around about twenty-five dollars to $30,000 back in your pocket. Yep. So it's got about a rough cost of about one hundred and twenty to the fleet operator. Yep. If you're doing a couple of hundred thousand Ks a year in that truck, but you're using your diesel and ablu, you're going to have about a one-and-a-half-year payback factor on your energy and savings and maintenance cost savings. You'll go from about $0.10 cents a kilometre down to about sort of 3 to $0.04 cents a K. So have a reasonably quick payback. And there's an issue you've solved, which I didn't even think of, the AdBlue issue. Yeah, no AdBlue issues. No AdBlue issues. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. There's no servicing of the electric motor because there's no componentry on the electric motor to go wrong. There's no filters. You've got no air cleaner filters, no oil filters. Oh. The only oil on the truck is in the transmission and diffs. Yep. So when you look at your servicing, your A, B, C, and D, you're going to do an A service every 14 days. 
you'll probably look at your C service now will become part of the annual service and you're not doing B services because no engine to service. So you think about that from an uptime point of view, most trucks are getting serviced every six weeks and you lose nearly a day with a B service these days. And normally, you know, a dealership will be about 12 to 1400 bucks for a B service. You do it internally in your own workshop, it's 800 bucks. So all of a sudden you're looking at roughly about a ten dollars to $12,000 saving just in the B services that's on that truck. Not to mention you haven't got a fuel system you haven't got air cleaners, you haven't got a turbo that goes. If you really look at total cost of ownership, and most diesel motors need that midlife done on them as well too. That's right. So you start to take the midlife, the full engine rebuild, and then you'll do an intercooler or a radiator and all those things on it. It becomes a very costly, expensive thing to run purely because of what they are. Mate, I suppose we should be looking towards wrapping it up a little bit, but the whole thing just fascinates me. I am so pleased that common sense has broken out and someone's decided to kick the goal and win the game. And I'm pretty sure you're relieved as well because you've got a few bucks invested in the whole idea. There's a lot of time and effort that's gone into it. Yeah, That's the biggest thing is the time and effort that everyone's put in. Our guys on the workshop floor, the guys that are really creating this, we've got some really fantastic technicians and auto electricians and electricians that are involved in the project. Yeah, And to have them told, hey, we can't put this truck into commercial operations, they're all sitting there going, geez, what the hell's going on here? We've created something here for Australia, by Australians, for Australians, and now our government won't let us get it on the road. Yeah. I'm more happy for the team that we're going to get to see what this truck can really do out there in commercial operations in everyday work. That's what we want to see. Oh, mate, I'm looking forward to seeing it. I'm looking forward to having a drive one, mate. Congratulations. Thanks, Mike. And as I say, I'm just so relieved that common sense has broken out, and I'll be looking forward to seeing it on the road, maybe running up and down through a rimber and that. Yeah, definitely. We look forward to having you up to the factory and coming and having a drive, Mike. I'll make a point of it, mate. Might make an appointment with you on a Saturday and I'll come up and do it. Sounds great, mate. Thanks, Lex. Thanks for taking the time out to talk to me, mate. I really do appreciate it. Let your boys know that it's a great thing. I will. Thanks very much for the time, Mike. Kermie here from Trucking with Kermie. I listen to On the Road podcasts every week on the Australian Big Rigs Road Show. And when that's done, you might like to pop over to Trucking with Kermie on Facebook for my take on trucking and the people who make the industry what it is. Catch you over there. And in the meantime, take care of you. There's nothing more devastating for a truck operator than to be involved in a serious road incident. We've all seen the impact of heavy vehicle accidents and at these times, when people are most vulnerable, it's critical that they have immediate support from a strong, stable, reliable and experienced organisation. NTI is Australia's number one truck insurer, the specialist you can count on to protect your transport and logistics assets, with the know-how to take control of the situation and the capability to reduce lost income by getting trucks back on the road again as soon as possible. Specialist products, experienced people, accredited repair and recovery networks and industry advocacy is what we do. It's our specialty and we've been doing it for more than 45 years. For more information, visit the website at nti.com.au or go to the NTI Facebook page. 21 times Golden Guitar and ARIA award-winning artist Sarah Storer is well known across Australia for her fair dinkum roots-orientated music. Now, Sarah has teamed up with her brother Greg Storer under the name of Storer and have released their first single together titled Show Me an up-tempo, straight-shooting country stomper. Sarah and Greg have clearly tapped into the magic that often happens when siblings record together, 
what's more the store band extends to more than just sarah and greg with greg's daughters pip and bonnie featured heavily in the recordings as well now sarah's musical journey began in 2000 with her debut album chasing buffalo while greg was and still is a working farmer in western new south wales greg eventually showed that talent is in the store of blood with his songwriting contributions on sarah's second album and the release of his solo album backwater in 2010 which earned high praise from fans and critics alike he's now a permanent fixture at sarah's shows and is also her constant writing partner they even shared a golden guitar win for their collaboration song when i was a boy despite over 20 years of storytelling together this is the first time that the two have recorded a full album together which will be released early in the new year stora will be taking their new material on tour in 2023 and will wind through rural and metro australia beginning with a show in the country capital tamworth and finishing in the northern territory stora is the culmination of two storytellers highly regarded in their own right finally coming together to tell the story of their australia here they are stora Good morning, Sarah and Greg. Thanks for joining us on the road. Thanks for having me. First things, most importantly, because I've had a little bird in my ear and not the ones that you're in, Sarah, but it's your birthday today. Yes, it is. Yeah. Happy birthday. Yeah, Last, happy birthday, Sarah. Last year in my 40s, sadly. <laughs> I'd give anything to go back to there myself. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes when you pull two great talents away from solo careers to work together, it can be a bit of a volatile mix of clashing egos and dramas, but there's clearly no such thing in this case as you bought Stora together. It's like brother and sisterly love wins out, eh? Yeah, we've been sort of hanging out for a long time in the music scene together, so we sort of know when to steer clear of each other. Actually, we don't fight at all. We have a lot of fun being on the road and working on songs, and I think that one of the nice things is if you need some time alone or if you need to talk about anything, you can because it's your family, it's your brother. Yeah. It's actually worked out quite well. Just for the listeners' sake, so you know, Sarah's in the Northern Territory on the phone and Greg's down Western New South Wales somewhere on the farm. Is that right, Greg? Yeah, that's right, mate. We're 60 k's north of Warren, family farm. Yeah, so that keeps us off the streets and keeps us busy, yeah. Keeps you out of the milk bar. So you're getting drenched at the moment? We are, yeah, yeah. It's a really wet year and they've forecast 100 mil of rain in our area. So oh, fantastic. We're expecting to be cut off from town and I think there's going to be a bit of a flood actually. Yeah, so that's to come. Anyway, we'll wait and see. Yeah, well, hopefully it all holds together for you. Now, you're just talking about family there, Sarah, and Greg, your daughters Bonnie and Pip were also involved in the recording. It really is one big family affair, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. It's Sarah's doing the whole album, you know, she came up with the idea we should do an album together and get family on board. So Pip had been writing songs and dabbling a bit with the songwriting and performing at school. She's a couple of years out of school now, but when she was at school, she'd done a lot of performing and just in front of the school. Right. Yeah, it was no-brainer to bring the girls on board and it was such an experience then in the studio working with great musos and your family. And your family, yeah. Quite a buzz, yeah. The natural progression. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. You talk about the single, and we're going to hear that shortly, but the media release says that it's built on the theme of practice what you preach. What's the background story to the song? Well, I came up with the idea after I heard someone running down another family, and I thought, gee, that's funny coming from you. 
pot calling the kettle black, basically. Yeah. And I thought, oh, I want to write a song. It took me a while to write. And then Greg and I got together a bit later and polished it up. So it was a complete song for the album. And, yeah, it's just got the message of pretty much keep your mouth shut. If you haven't got anything nice to say, don't. Because often you haven't really got it sorted out in your own backyard. You're telling other people off. So that's what it's about. Show me. If you know how to do it so well, well, show me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you can actually use the song on yourself a bit too. You know, when you're about to say something, you say, hang on a minute, you know. You know, <laughs> you haven't got something nice to say, and have a cup of tea or something. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's a bit like the old adage of walk a mile in their shoes, and if it all turns sour, you're a mile away and you've still got their shoes. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, now, when you look at the credits for the song and you see names like James Gillard, Rod McCormack, Michael Moko, you know it's going to be good. It's quite a lineup you've got there beyond just the family side of things. It was wonderful being in the studio. I've been with three different producers and it's all done very differently. So this was our first time working with James Gillard. He played bass on my first album, Chasing Buffalo, and quite a few from then on. Right. But he is my bass player and guitar player at times throughout the years. Way back when we were doing Songbirds, right up until last weekend, it's then he was playing bass and directing everyone. Mm. So it was wonderful. You walk in, we all sat around and basically went live, you know, and it took them, seriously, two takes or three takes. And they say, yep, righto, let's move on to the next song. They were unbelievable. Nailed it, yeah. Very clever. That would take me probably five years to record one track, what they did. (laughs) (laughs) It is good. A little bit of name drop there, Michael Moko. I actually sold him his first guitar when he was about 10 years old. Really? (laughs) wow. Going way back. Watching Michael in the studio, you know, he was always just listening so carefully, finding stuff. It was really unbelievable to watch those fellas. Yeah. Michael would always find something special, you know, some little guitar link or just something to fit in and it was just so on the ball, yeah. Yeah, brilliant. You've got quite a formidable list of tour dates coming up in 2023, coinciding with the release of the new album. It's a real marathon effort reading down through the list. Yeah, I know. What have we done, Greg? (laughs) (laughs) point in putting out an album without touring it and Greg and I we committed to this and we knew there'd be a fair few tour dates we're managing it as best as possible because Greg's farming he's got harvest and sowing and whatever else comes along with farming life yeah fortunately he's got two other brothers there in the business that can take over but when Greg's right to go am I right to go with four boys and whatever's going on in my life and living up in Darwin but we don't want to get to a few years down the track and look back and go, why didn't we do that? Because we thought we couldn't. Yeah. We know we can. you just got to manage it. So we're really looking forward to getting out and singing these dates and also just a bunch of new songs, of course, new stories that represent Stora and family and why we come together and did this album in the first place. Yeah. And the album's actually going to be released next year, isn't it? Yeah, album launch at Tamworth at the Country Music Festival. Yeah, Greg and I are launching there. Oh, brilliant. Ronnie and Pip are coming over especially to be on the show and it should be a lot of fun and quite special for us. I'm sure it'll be very emotional at times. Oh, for sure. We grew up loving music, but it's nice when you're all sort of like-minded. Yeah. Draws out the emotions and, yeah, it'll be a great show, I'm sure. Oh, for sure. If you're going to release a new album, Tamworth's the place to do it, that's for sure. Yeah, well, everyone comes from everywhere, all over the place. And with COVID, last year, the dates were changed to squeeze in a Tamworth. 
I think next year everyone will be back on track and everyone will be just dying to get back into routine back in January. No COVID. Yeah. Hopefully there'll be no other new bug floating around and we can hook in. Yeah. 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 Speaking of getting out there and doing it, how was the Denny Ute muster for you? Just talking about, you know, everyone being over COVID, I think Denny just showed that up. There were thousands of people there all having a good time. People are ready to party again, that's for sure. Good to hear. So I think Tamworth will be no different. I think Tamworth's going to be huge this year. Yeah. So we can't wait to play these new songs for everyone. Yeah. Hope someone turns up to listen to us. Oh, I'm sure they will. <laughs> I, I think you're right. We're definitely on the up and up. Yeah. Now, guys, for our listeners, to find out more about Stora and to check out your upcoming tour dates, where should they go online to find all that info? You can jump on my Facebook, Sarah Stora Artist, mm-hmm. and also jump on my website, www.sarahstora.com. It's getting a bit of a rehash, so just hang in there, guys. Within a week or so, everything should be up to date. Find out where we're touring. We're hitting Victoria, New South Wales, and Queensland, and then we'll be adding to that as we go along too, so just keep your eye on that. Brilliant. It's been my pleasure today to be speaking with Sarah and Greg from Stora. Guys, thank you for finding the time in your busy schedule to come out and play on the road with us. Oh, thanks, Andy. Thanks for your time, mate. Much appreciated. Been great to have you with us. Would you be good enough, please, to introduce your new single for us? G'day, everyone. I'm Sarah Storer and... I'm Greg Storer. (laughs) (laughs) From Storer. And this is our new single, Show Me. Show Me. And thanks for listening, everyone. Good on you. Cheers, guys. All the best. Thanks, Thanks, Andy. Andy. Don't look down your nose at me You don't know my history This book cover, it ain't brand new But the pages are thick And speak of love and truth Don't be calling the kettle black Don't run them down behind their back My dad may have worked the plow But he taught us all when to shut our mouth You tell me to walk in a straight line And I say, how is that done? Show me How is that done? Show me How is that done? Show me Don't look down your nose at me these old clothes fit perfectly. Well, my kids are wild and my heart's a mess. Is there something you need to get off your chest? You tell me to walk in a straight line. And I say, how is that done? Show me. How is that done? Show me. But I got a heart of gold It's time, my friend You were told You tell me To walk in a straight line 
Show me. How is that done? Show me. How is that done? Show me. How is that done? Why don't you show me? How is that done? Why don't you show me? How is that done? Come on and show me. Hey, this is Ben Tilney from Street Pieces, and you're listening to On the Road with Mike and Andy. Something to talk about is brought to you by Only Trucks and Credit One. Buying your next truck has never been so easy. Go to onlytrucks.com.au. I've got my information out there so the listeners can get in contact with me and we can start a conversation. You can hear what people are thinking about. Earlier in the week, one of the listeners rang me up and we're having a bit of a talk about identity theft. Now, in the wake of the Optus thing that's going on at the moment, there's a bit of concern about people's digital security. And he's concerned because there are several platforms now where you can sign in and have your data verified and they can use that across a number of platforms and services. But also he's concerned about the number of places he's got to go where he's had to be inducted and they've taken his driver's license and they've scanned it and they've stored that and his phone number and added that to the file. So if they've got his license, they've got his home address, they've got his date of birth, they've actually got his license with his photo on it, they've got his phone number. They've almost got 100 points of ID right there. Now, he said to me that he has had three iPhones booked up on his Telstra account, and he had finally got that sorted out after several months of going backwards and forwards. He finally proved to Telstra that he didn't have the phones. So I don't know how you managed to do that. But the short story of it is identity theft is a real thing. And as you all know, when we go and do these inductions, we do have to put our information out there. In some cases, they demand it. And if you decline to give it to them, they say, well, that's all right. Don't worry about it. Take your load and go away. And you're left in an untenable position. You're coerced into surrendering information to people who really do have no right to receive it. They should be able to you know, ring your employer and say, does this guy have all the appropriate licenses? And the employer says, yes, they do. And that should be the end of the discussion. But it's not. There are too many policemen out there now, too many policemen in little guardhouses that think that they have the right to dig in and ask you all those personal questions. I personally do take issue with it. And I agree with the listener because the risk is real. The Optus hack has shown us that the risk is real. People are going and changing their passports in that now. People are changing their bank account details. They're changing their passwords. And they should. You should change your passwords on a regular basis. And I know some of us get lazy and we don't because we end up at the point with how many bloody passwords can you remember? I don't know. That's just crazy. But the fact of the matter is if someone gets into your personal information, takes your identity and uses it, they can borrow money against your name, they can purchase things against your name, and they can disappear into the ether and all the evidence points to you. And I'll tell you what, from what I know about it, it's bloody hard to try and turn it around and sort it out. So have a little bit of a think about it. Let's get a bit of a discussion going. Do we really need to be providing all this information to people? Should we not just somehow or another come to a point where we say, with these inductions, why are we having to do all these inductions? They're all the same. 
Why can't we do a generic induction and a site-specific induction? Why do we need to provide a driver's license? I've parked about this so many times. I'm a truck driver. I'm coming in to do a delivery on your premises. It's a product that you've ordered. It's a product that you want. I'm going to go over to the unloading bay and I'm going to unload it, whether I'm unloading bulk tankers or whether I'm unloading pallets of product. It really doesn't matter. The things that I need to know when I go on site is where do I pull up, who do I see, how do I sort the paperwork out, and where can I get a drink of water or use a bathroom. That's pretty much all any truck driver needs to know. So why do we have to go and do a lockout procedure? Why do we have to learn how their fire extinguishers work? We know how our bloody fire extinguishers work. We've got a couple on the truck. Anyway, that's something to talk about, something to think about. You know how to get hold of me, Mike at ontheroadpodcast.com.au, 0418-722-488. Ring me, send me an email or a text message. Tell me what you want to talk about. Take care out there. We'll see you on the road. Got you go. You gotta love that big brekkie at the roadhouse. Oh, you're not wrong. It's a great feed. Hey, was that Davo's truck that came in spluttering and coughing like an old tractor? Yeah, mate. I think it's about time we upgraded the old girl. Yeah, Roger that. Though it's a bit of a nightmare shopping for a new rig. Doesn't have to be, mate. Found this place called Only Trucks, an online one-stop shop for buying and selling trucks of all the best makes and models. It's associated with Credit One. Organise the finance for you. You can deal with the sellers direct through the website. Cut out the middleman, save time and money. Sounds like the way to go. Where do I find them? Too easy, mate. Go to onlytrucks.com.au and it's all laid out there for you. You should send Davo a text and tell him to go to Only Trucks and get a new rig. Might just buy you a beer or three. Davo? He wouldn't shout if he was bit by a shark, mate. <laughs> Upgrading your truck has never been so easy. Go to onlytrucks.com.au. Supposed to have it all together And when they ask how you're doing Just smile and tell them Never better We just wanted to stop by for a moment And say, g'day, how are you? No, I mean, how are you, really? Physical and mental health is a significant issue For the Australian road transport and logistics industries Risk factors like long hours, workplace isolation, pressure to meet deadline deliveries and the need for continual alertness all contribute to making us vulnerable to physical and mental health issues. As much as it might feel that way sometimes, you are not alone. There are some incredible people and organisations in our industry whose sole focus is on helping you to stay healthy in body, mind and spirit. All these numbers and addresses are listed on our website at ontheroadpodcast.com.au take care of yourselves. We really just want to see everyone get home safe and well. For all the latest industry news, go to www.bigrigs.com.au. G'day, Mike. Great interview with Lex from Janus Electric, mate. Well done. Oh, thank you very much. Oh, mate, Lex, I tell you what, geez, they've had a tough run, but it's good to see they're going to get a shot now. I love it. Yeah, it's interesting stuff. It's kind of done a real 360, hasn't it? It has.
I'll tell you what, he was really down in the mouth when I spoke to him last week, but when I spoke to him on Saturday and they'd got the go-ahead, it would have been a weight off his mind, mate. There's millions tied up in that, you know. Yeah. Just unbelievable. Well, just to stay on the theme of electric vehicles, mm. I've got a few questions for you, okay? Okay. All right. So if you want to drive an electric vehicle, do you need a current license? <laughs> you probably do. <laughs> uh, do you know why those Formula E races don't go very long? Well, because they run out of power. No, because they have a short circuit. They do have a short circuit. This is getting worse, mate. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you ain't heard nothing yet. Uh-huh. What does an electric car owner and a man with diarrhoea have in common? I couldn't even guess, and I'm not even sure I want to. They both hope to make it home. <laughs> oh, no. If Apple decide to make an electric car, will it have windows? That's a good question, isn't it? It is. Probably so why did it take so long for Volkswagen to start producing electric cars? Oh, bugger if I know, mate. Well, that's very close, because it took them a while to get the bugs worked out. Oh, right, eh? Mm. Finally, and by all means least, <laughs> all right. before Elon Musk got into electric cars, was he just called Lon Musk? <laughs> Probably was. Oh, you're an idiot. Can we get on with the news, please? <laughs> on with the news. Here we go. <laughs> A freight company has been fined 35000 after a driver's lost his life. Yeah, mate. Look, there's been a couple of them too. There's another story that we've got there also on bigrigs.com.au about a former company who had been fined 350000 after a driver lost his life. Mm. And they were mates too. Like there was just one truck and the guy that owned the business was mates with the guy that lost his life. There's been 12 workers killed in vehicle accidents this year mm. and WorkSafe is not going to hesitate to take strong action against people that are held responsible for these things. Look, duct tape and cable ties don't cut it anymore, guys. Things need to be repaired properly. Yeah. Look, we're trying to do a lot of things properly and we're doing a great job, but you know, the fact that people are still losing their lives for stuff like broken hydraulic hoses and things like that, that's just silliness. It really is and we need to probably have a bit of a think about it bit of a sad story to start with mate it is and all things that are avoidable yeah they are mate every single one of them's avoidable yep that's the sad part about it yeah people pay the price for their life but those that are left behind pay the price having to live with it for the rest of their life you know Mm. terrible terrible thing yeah mate applications are now being accepted for the next round of driving the difference scholarships by transport women australia limited Yeah, Transport Women Australia Limited are out there doing their thing again. This is the fourth year that Daimler Truck Australia Pacific have backed the Transport Women Australia program. It's a unique opportunity for five women in the transport and logistics industry and for those wishing to join. There's also a bit of a breakfast that Transport Women Australia have got going for an information day. It's the Victoria Learning Initiative breakfast on Wednesday, October 12. Right. Starts at 6.30 in the morning. I'll tell you what, mate, I went to that breakfast that they had up at the Alice Springs Hall of Fame, mm. and it was a massive breakfast. It was just wonderful. If I'm down around Windaree at 6.30 a.m. on the 12th, I might have to just slip in there and get myself a breakfast, I suppose. But if you're interested, there's going to be a special guest speaker. Belinda Hughes is the Assistant Executive Director of Statutory Compliance from the NHBR, and you can just get hold of Transport Women Australia to book your chair. But just to get back to this story, Hmm. it's a great initiative. I'm a little bit torn about gender-specific initiatives because everyone suffers the same barriers when they're trying to get in, lack of experience, and trying to get a shot. And it's the same for men and women. 
I don't mind there being specific things for women because, let's face it, there are only a few percent of the drivers driving trucks are women. We do need more of them. And just between you and me, mate, I think sometimes they're a little bit easier on the gear than some of those blokes. Yeah. But that's an opinion. Mm. We won't talk about that in public, all right? No. But we'll just keep that a secret. Yeah, between you and me. It's just between you and me. <laughs> that breakfast, 6.30 a.m. Yeah, 6.30 a.m. That's sort of morning tea for your average long-distance truck driver, though, mate. Well, I was just going to say I didn't even know there was a 6.30 in the morning as well. <laughs> there is. <laughs> it's twice a day they come round, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Mike, along a 305-kilometre section of the Barrier Highway in South Australia, $62.5 million upgrade package is to facilitate improved road safety and freight productivity, as well as providing not one, not two, but three new rest areas. Three new rest areas, and I just wonder how long it'll be before they're taken over by grey nomads. <laughs> or is that just too cynical? Probably not, based on previous experience. <laughs> Oh, mate, yeah. So uh, up near Coburn, they're going to replace a heap of culverts and all that sort of thing as well. The Barrier Highway is a fairly well-travelled bit of road. Been up and in a few times myself, as a matter of fact. Hmm. 110 kilometres of pavement widening and these rest areas. And there's also this other $80 million we've got coming up in the budget. So this is in addition to that. So we're going to be getting a few rest areas. It's nice to see, finally a government that's interested in looking after the well-being of drivers on the road. I just hope that these things have some facilities at them rather than just a rubbish team. Might have to put Wes on tour, mate, send him right around the country. <laughs> Wes on tour with a porta potty Yeah. I'll tell you what, we could almost make a movie about that. We could. And get, what's his name, Kevy? Kenny. Kenny, that's it. Yeah, We'll yeah. get Kenny to give him a hand as well. Yeah, he can play his role. He can play Wes. <laughs> Oh. Probably not as well as Wes could do it himself, though. No, no, Wes does a pretty good job of being Wes, let me tell you. He's a legend. He is. Mm. And also, as part of the Australian Government's Heavy Vehicle Safety and Productivity Program, mm. we'll see upgrades to the Kiamba Gap and Barry's Rest Areas on the Hume Highway. We will. Now, Kiamba Gap and the Barry's Bay Rest Areas. Now, Kiamba Gap is the one that is known as Aeroplane by a lot of the guys, Aeroplane Hill, and it's actually been taken over as pretty much a changeover bay. Okay. Now, there's already a Thunderbox there, mm. and I'll tell you what, I've been in there when I was desperate one night, and let's put it this way, it's not a place I'd stop again unless I absolutely had to. Looks like another job for Wes. Another job for Wes. There's a lot of work that they could do there at that rest area to make it better. Obviously, it's not a place for anyone to stop for a long break, but it is a place where guys are changing over. They go there to avoid the smash-up derby at Tarkata changeover bay. Right. So some guys change over at Tarkata and some guys change over at Camber Gap. The Barry's Bay rest area is just down the road a little bit further. 18 projects, $34.8 million. Let's see what we go. Once again, this is additional to the $80 million that we're going to be spending on rest areas that was promised by the government before they were elected. So I'm looking forward to the budget announcement. See what happens there. Things is looking up. They are. The NHVR has accepted an enforce. We haven't had an enforceable undertaking story for a while. No, we haven't. The NHVR has accepted an enforceable undertaking from energy giant Origin, yeah. who will be required to spend $380,000 on a safety initiative after one of its drivers failed to stop at a Weybridge at 12 Mile in New South Wales. 
That's right. Now, this guy didn't go through and obviously got his photo taken and they have then sent Origin notices to produce logbook pages and things like that and notices to produce the information as to who the driver was of the vehicle. Now, Hmm. remember we did the story ages ago where we talked about companies who failed to nominate drivers and they got themselves a $3,000 fine or something? Yep. The cynic in me says, why would Origin Energy want to spend $380,000 when if they just copped the fine for not nominating who the driver was, it'd be three grand? Mm. I don't understand that. The cynic in you is coming out quite frequently these days, isn't it? Well, as I get older, mate, you know that filter that most people have that stops them from saying stuff that they shouldn't? No, I wouldn't know. I haven't got one of them either. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's broken. But, you know, here's the thing. Mm. Origin Energy have agreed to go through now and put a system through their business to improve compliance. Oh, I reckon what's happened is they've got the letter from the NHBR and someone's looked at that and go, oh, it crossed out. We're going to find out who was driving that truck. No way. And file it, you know? Yep. And thinking, well, we're Origin Energy. Maybe that'll go away. I'm not saying that's what the thought was, but it wouldn't surprise me if that's what the thought was, you know? This all gets too hard. If they didn't have records of who was driving what, where and when, it'd be impossible for them to know. So now they're going to put that program in place and it looks like it's going to cost internally $365,000 for them to do it, which is probably the reason why they didn't do it in the first place because it cost that much. Well, you know, the cynic in me says Mm. if they paid the fine, they wouldn't get all this extra publicity and there's no such thing as bad publicity when you're a corporate giant. (laughs) You are as cynical as I am, aren't you? Mm. Mm. Cheap advertising. It is cheap advertising. And they're going to sponsor the Australian Institute of Health and Safety to deliver heavy vehicle safety forums to health and safety professionals across Australia, and that's going to cost them 15 grand. Mm. So they're going to spend $365,000 inside their own business and 15000 outside their own business, and that's an enforceable undertaking. Mm. I don't know. But I'm starting to like the idea of enforceable undertakings because at least there is something outside. It just doesn't disappear into consolidated revenue. Yeah. The short story of it is these safety initiatives have got to be completed within 12 months of the NHBR accepting the EU and failure to comply with an EU can lead to further prosecution. Indeed. Da, da, da. Yeah. There we go. That's it. All right, mate. Well, take us out from the news this week. Thought for the week. Thought for the week. I haven't got a thought for the week. Have you got a thought for the week? Uh, I usually do, yeah. Might have one in my pocket here. I've got a thought. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, the filter just kicked in. There you go, mate. You do yours. Good. Thought for the week. Life does not get better by chance. It gets better by change. That's indeed very, very, very true. A lot like the idea of the harder I work, the luckier I get. Yeah, that's right. Mm. Well, mate, keep your head above water. Down here, I tell you what, we've been drowning around this country in the last several weeks. Mm. Incredible. It's not spring, it's winter. Mm. Anyway. All right, mate. You take care. Good to chat. You too, bud. We'll catch up later. Stay safe. See ya. On the Road News is brought to you by Big Rigs, Australia's national road transport newspaper. On last week's show, we spoke with Nick from the Wolf Brothers just before they headed off to Gympie to headline the entertainment at this year's Lights on the Hill Memorial event last weekend. If you were one of the lucky ones that got to hear the band live there, here's one of their hits that you would have heard on Saturday night. It's the Wolf Brothers with Time To Be Alive. What a day, what a week, ain't a thing gone right. 
Monday eight, couldn't wait for that Friday five. Now it's here and I'm thinking, baby, do or die. What a time to be alive, what a year, what a world, so much going on. But we here got some beer and a freedom song. Let's back it up on our weeps at the set and sun. Hey, baby, ready, set, run. Let it rock, let it roll, it'll be okay. Here and now, where we at, ain't no better place. It's our moment, so let's on it before it gets away. Feel the buzz, why the rush, baby, what you say? Drink it up, take it in, come on, chase that high. Buckle up, take the wheel, baby, hold on tight. Now whatever was a better raise up, let's ride. The way the moon catches you like your own spotlight. What a view, what I do to get you by my side. Man, I'm a lucky guy. I'm a lucky guy. Let it rock, let it roll, it'll be okay. Here and now, where we at, ain't no better place. It's our moment, so let's on it before it gets away. Feel the buzz, why the rush, baby, what you say? Drink it up, take it in, come on, chase that high. Buckle up, take the wheel, baby, hold on tight. Now but never was a better rhythm up, let's ride. What a day, what a night, what a time to be alive. What a time to be alive. On the Road is proudly brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer. Visit the website at nti.com.au. And Queensland Rail, committed to educating drivers to know their vehicle height and to plan their trip ahead to avoid low-lying bridges. Go to www.qr.com.au. Be sure to join us again next week when our guest says... That might scrub up all right. Mike says... You don't want to say it out loud. And Andy says, at length and quite repeatedly. In the meantime, play nice with each other and most of all, stay safe out there. Bye for now. Bye-bye. The team here at On The Road believe in the right to free speech and whilst we might not always be in agreement with the views of our guests and contributors, we support their right to hold and express those opinions. Time to be alive. What a time to be alive.